All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast. This is going to be episode 19, I believe. This is Randy uh, from Houston. Many of you remember him. He's filmed the Lunar Wave a couple times. Uh, Randy and I like to get together every so often to have a chat. So many people really enjoy hearing Randy speak. He's just a regular guy, man. Uh, and he comes at everything we talk about from just an average Joe's perspective and I think that is so critically important because most of us are just average Joes out there in the world dealing with this kind of bizarre age we have come to understand we are all in. Um, In the second hour I am going to do a monologue preface to talk about uh, the giant trees on the flat earth video from Russia that's been going around. Um, I have initial insights that uh, I experienced when I originally saw it. I went out and I did some language research and movie meme research, and I talked to a couple people whose no-nonsense perspective I value. Um, As a matter of fact, one of these people I'd really like to speak with, but we have kind of a, uh, a geographical barrier and we don't have the same tools on our computer, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but so many people, you know, what, what Randy and I talk about is, is the gamut of everything. The impact of false flag attacks. We talk a lot about the telescope work we've done. We talk about a number of things. Um, but so many people come and they say, well, this numerology, the encoding of numbers into these vents is ridiculous. Or why would, why would they be taking so much effort to do all this deception in the news? And they come at it from all these experiential ways where they're comparing what we're talking about now that we recognize so much of the fraud that is going on, but they're coming at it uh, using the basis of the lifetime they have lived, and they do not understand how these things could even be possible basing it on the lifetime they have accepted as the reality that they measure everything by. So let's talk a minute about mind. Mind is reality. What our minds do individually and together as communities, uh, they create the reality that we experience. And we can prove this, and I'll give you a couple of proofs. Have you ever been out with a group of people where, say, four or five of the people are having the time of their life at any given event you've attended, yet one of these people is simply miserable, uh, worst time they've ever had? And later when you talk about it, the people that really enjoyed themselves will remember that as, man, that was heaven. That was just the best day. That was the best time. I wish we could do that over and over again. And by contrast, the person who had a very terrible time will look back and say, that man, I hope I never have another day like that. The event, the day, everything about it was horrible. This is proof that the mind creates the realities that we experience. And while some people may even have trouble with that explanation, let me give you another. When we go to sleep at night and we have dreams, quite often our dreams are so real that we are experiencing what we consider to be real life until we wake up and we look back and go, wow, that was just a dream. This is another example proving that what goes on in our minds creates the reality that we experience, that we remember, that we talk about later, that we look back on in memory. Our mind does that. Now, let's combine 
the kind of falseness that is being projected at us through all media, through governments, through movies, through all these things that we talk so much about on this podcast, this is a lot of what it's about. When we go to a movie and we experience movies and we're exposed to memes and echoing and encoded ideas, it is affecting our minds. Not only that, it is setting the state, the you know, the state of our minds for what we consider the reality of that particular time to be. Um, it cannot be understated that for the people who don't understand why there would be all this encoding and these you know dirty tricks that we talk about in the media from our governments, um, this is a lot of what it's about. It is affecting your mind and the way our minds think, and a lot of it, to be frank is anesthetizing us, putting us asleep, making us kind of unaware and programmed in a way that leads us not to think about the actual reality that we can detect when we break ourselves away from the encoding, from the programming, and slap ourselves across the face and wake the heck up and finally start to examine what is truly going on around us. So... As we jump into this episode, uh, so many people really enjoy hearing Randy speak. Um, he comes at things from just such a no-nonsense place of everyday living, and I truly appreciate it. And when we couple the idea that both of us have a heck of a lot of telescope experience, and we have a lot of things in common that we found out knowing each other, where I would have these experiences on the telescope, as an example... Looking at the moon, we both realized quite often there's nights when the moon is well lit uh, where one portion of the moon we could bring into perfect, perfect focus and another area we could not. For the longest time, I wasn't sure if this was part of the way I was doing things, how I have my equipment set up, whether it was my camera contributing to this in some way. And yet now I've met a number of people, Randy being the first, who have experienced this firsthand that when we are looking at a well-lit moon, we can get certain portions, and it's the same portions of the moon, by the way, certain portions of the moon in perfect focus. Then when we refocus to get another section of the moon, um, the, the portion that was previously well-focused goes out of focus. Now, this is not possible when we accept the description of the moon we've been handed, this ball, this rock in space. Um, the, distance, the distances of curvature would be nowhere near great enough to have this effect. And uh, we have both experienced, so that's one example. Anyhow, let's jump into episode 19, and I would remind everybody, this Russian video uh, about the giant trees uh, that is taking over the internet, uh, I have some very no-nonsense thoughts about it, and I did take the time to do a good bit of language and encoded meme research around the idea um, and the reason I did this is because I have been to the Devil's Tower. I've been to another place in Yosemite that has the hexagonal shapes called the Devil's Postpile of all things. Two things called the Devil. And I started thinking a long time ago, why was that? But anyhow, at the very opening of the second hour, uh, I will do a monologue that addresses uh, where I'm at with the whole thing and the kind of reasonable way to go at new information that is catching fire so quickly. So without any further ado, let's jump into episode 19 with Randy. Here we go. All right. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio episode. I believe this will be 16. I suppose it's possible it might be 17, uh, but I'm going to call it 16 for now. Um, 
we're going to talk with Randy in Houston today. You may remember uh, we've talked with Randy before. He's caught the lunar wave a couple times and is always out filming, as am I. Uh, welcome aboard, Randy. Hey, Crow. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, pretty good. It's been uh, extremely hot and extremely humid out here. You're not kidding, man. I tell you what, the heat over here, oh, it's just unbearable sometimes. I, I try to get outside early, early in the morning get all my work done for the day by 11, 12 o'clock, and back at the house. <laughs> I, don't, I don't play around this heat. It'll kill you. Have you guys had, like, just unreal humidity as well? Oh, well, down here in the south, I mean, you walk out the front door with a butter knife, and you just cut you a slot and walk through it. You know, that's yeah. how thick it is. It's crazy. Yeah, it's been like that here, too, um, particularly hard on my dog because he has heart issues. Yeah. So I end up having uh, him down in the basement all the time with a dehumidifier, uh, he can deal with the heat a little bit. Um, it makes it tough to film too, uh, cause the humidity has been so bad here that it's almost like shooting through. Well, it literally is like shooting yeah. through liquid. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing here. I mean, it just, well, I try to go out, well, try to shoot a little bit in the daytime, you know, cause there's just different things in the sky I like to shoot. And, uh, it, it just, it's just sweltering. And of course at nighttime, then the mosquitoes, like, you know, they want to carry you off and eat you behind the bushes. You know, they're so big down here, you know. <laughs> so, so like, what do, you, what do you do? You know, you just kind of let it go for a little while and try to catch a few minutes here and there, you know. Right. I mean, I have the same problem here in San Diego. There was no humidity. There were no mosquitoes, no ticks. It's a whole other game here. But, I mean, have you been filming now that you've got your new uh, 4K camera? Yeah, actually, I got out the... Uh, the other day and uh, did a little bit of moon shooting and uh, which was really cool I hadn't done that in a while and I was just more or less trying to get it dialed in and just trying different things and I actually I uh, made a I'm, I'm kind of showing you this stuff with my hands and making hand motion so like you're seeing <laughs> me right here so it doesn't do any good but on my telescope I took the actual telescope completely off and just used the bracket and I uh, adapted another bracket to mount my camera right onto the, the motor head of the telescope. And uh, what I did is I just mounted it on there, and then I just do a kind of a wide shot so I can see the moon, and then I start zooming in just straight up camera. Uh, now, I do have a 2X uh, telephoto lens on the end of it, and uh, I'd like to find one where it's like a little bit better than a 2X, but uh, 2X is all I have right now. But uh, I set up on a telescope motor, and I use the controls to, to pivot it and move it up and down and stuff because it's really smooth and it, you don't have that jerking around like a tripod. And I just start zooming in on the moon, and I get right at, oh, you go from the optical to the digital zoom, right at that point where it goes from optical to digital I kind of stop right there the moon is almost full frame in there and then I just started playing around with the different settings manually and automatic and uh, when I tried to do it manual on some of them I noticed around the edge of the moon it was kind of grainy uh, it just distorted it then when I would go back to automatic you know of course it just does it more precise I guess than what you can actually see on your little screen and uh, I got some good shots. I mean, it really looks good, and it and it rivals. Uh, I would say it rivals a lot of smaller telescopes, you know, in in what you can actually see. Uh, if I had a better, a little bit better telephoto lens on there, 
I really believe I could bring it in just as good as my Celestron could be. And of course, when you're filming in a high definition like that, it just makes all the difference in the world too, you know? Right. So you're, I'm really, you're using the 4K, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so that people understand, I believe what Randy's telling everyone here is that he's using the tracking ability of the base of his telescope mount so that he can put his camera, which he's adapted to it, so he gets all the benefit of tracking uh, with the camera. And then, of course, he's using a tele, uh, well, a two-time zoom. I don't know if that's a telephoto, but, you know, Randy, you could buy a doubler for that, but the only problem with doublers is you lose some f-stops. It darkens up the image. So, I mean, it actually is a lot better just to get a, a more powerful telephoto. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're talking about the f-stop, you lose a couple of f-stops. I don't think there would be a big problem with not having enough light. Uh, I mean, well, you know the moon is bright as it is, and of course when you start zooming in like that, I mean, it literally, if you're looking through an eyepiece on a telescope, it'll give you blindness. It'll You look up and you can only see out one eye because right. the other eye is just fried, you know? Right, yep. Uh, so, and plus I've got a, a low lux or low low light setting that I could actually flip that on and give it, you know, I mean, I can literally go outside and not have any lights in the backyard, and you might have a street light, just kind of like or porch light or something, shining in the backyard, and you can see just as good as anything else. You know, you can tell it's dark, but you can actually see everything clearly. You know, so I don't think the f-stop would be on this camera, especially. I don't think it would be a big, big problem. You know. Yeah. Uh, the the I, only thing I can tell you is, <clears throat> like, I have a pretty big telephoto. So I got the doubler to literally double the power, but you do lose some f-stops, and you're right, with a full moon, that probably, you probably would actually be happy because you tune your camera down a little bit to reduce the brightness. But the problem becomes then, uh, with a doubler, you really do notice any jiggle gets really amplified. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not sure what that would do to a two times, but I mean, if you just got like a 400 or an 800 mil telephoto, I think you'd be in the ballpark of a three or four inch telescope. Yeah, I think so too. And I've been looking at different uh, lenses for this, and and of course to adapt to what I'm doing, it's not just standard stuff. You know, not everybody does this, and so it. I mean, you find all kinds of things for DSLR, but to find something that'll mount on the front of a camera like I have, even though it has threads on the lens there's adapters that goes from uh, 82 millimeter all the way down to 35 millimeter I think it is you know in sizes and you just adapt what you need for the different types of lenses and so but finding the actual you know telephoto lens the, the largest one I found was uh, 4.2 or something like that and uh, it had a 35 millimeter uh, uh, thread on there so I'd have to adapt it down and then look through a 35 millimeter hole going through that. So I don't know how that would work because it might choke it down too much because as it is, I'm going from 62 millimeter down to 58. And when you wide angle it, you can see the whole lens at the end of the camera as you zoom out, you know. So do you feel like there's some benefit you're getting using, instead of using the telescope as your lens, using a regular two times lens? Do you figure there's some benefit there? In other words, how come you don't just use the telescope as your lens? Well, I haven't been able to try, uh, haven't been able to quite master (laughs) getting this thing hooked up. I think I had mentioned to you 
that I hooked it right in the back side of my telescope, just like a DSLR would. Yep. And I just had some difficulties trying to get it focused and to get that big spot out of the middle of it. Uh, it, it just probably was just me. I just hadn't got the right setup just yet. But trying to mount it onto the actual eyepiece, that's almost impossible. So, uh, the, have you, but sorry to interrupt, but I mean, have you tried to do it with no eyepiece and no camera lens at all? In other words, take the lens off the camera, don't use any eyepiece, and just put the telescope straight to the front of the camera? I've tried that, but it, the way the lens on this camera is set up, they set back. Well, first off, the AX100 the uh, Sony camera that I have, it has about, I guess it looks like about a two-inch round lens on the front. And then the the focusing of the actual camera part is back a little bit. So by the time you put it right up against the telescope lens or the eyepiece and everything else, it's like if you were to walk up to your telescope with your eyepiece on, hold your eye back about two inches, you can't hardly see anything. You have to almost get your eye right down on the lens itself oh, I see. so you can actually see. So it's just it's just a mating up problem that I have, you know? Right. You know, getting at the right spot. If I could get that lens even closer to the eyepiece, it would work beautifully. But it's just a mating up thing that I have a problem with. And I, I'll figure it out soon enough, you know? But yeah, call, call OPG. yeah. I, I called it one time and they like they didn't they didn't have a clue what I was trying to do and I tried to explain it to them uh, as clear as I could and they're like well no sir we don't have any adapters for that we we can't we can't do that so I, you know maybe I didn't explain myself but I was just looking for some step down adapters for it and it seemed to me that these guys are camera people they would know all that maybe I just didn't explain it exactly what yeah, I wanted. You should call back and get a different person, but I mean, <clears throat> have you seen anything of interest lately? Have you filmed chemtrails, or um, have you got anything interesting on film lately? Well, uh, let's just say things interesting in the sky. I do a lot of daytime shooting uh, toward, the, toward the clouds and then the sky and just set my focus and everything and just start shooting. What I do is I get my little uh, notepad, and I can remote control my camera from outside my shop area. Wow. I go into my shop, and it's real dark in here, so I can really see the screen really well. And it's just a static shot. It's just shooting the sky. So I'm just sitting there watching my, my screen, and when I see something like a dot, just a, just a I mean, a, when I say a dot go across that screen, you don't even really see it go across the screen. You might just see a dot to blink. I stop the camera remotely, and then I restart it. So the last 15 seconds of that 10 or 15, 20 minutes is all I need, and I'm going to review that part. So when I take it and download it to my main computer, I can just one frame at a time for 15 seconds and, and check out what I want. And what I find, of course, some of these things are just merely birds flying across. And, of course, a bird can fly across pretty fast. And it could look like some kind of object. And, of course, when the birds flap their wings and they fold their wings beside them, they make a perfect little disc-looking craft, but it's really not. Because you'll notice a couple of frames over, beep, their little wings open up and they keep going. Uh, but I have videoed uh, one particular craft that I videoed two different times 
basically in the same area of sky, and when it passes over, even in slow, super slow motion, if you're not looking just right on that screen, you won't even see it come by. That's how fast it is. But it's a long cylinder-looking object, and I have freeze-framed it, took a, one frame out, and you can look at it, and of course the sun was setting into the west, and this thing is passing from south to north over my house, and one side of it is kind of aluminum looking or shiny looking, and the other side is darker, which would you know good indication that sun is reflecting off of something. Yeah. Birds don't have reflections off of them, but this was a very unique, and I've caught it twice, uh, but I catch these things all the time around here uh, in the, in the, during the day in the sky. Now, as far as chemtrails, uh, what's really odd to me is I hear you talking about your area and different areas in your part of the country is, is just plagued with uh, chemtrails. Yep. We haven't had any. Every now and then you might see a plane fly over way up there and just a little streak go across there and then it just kind of dissipates after 15, 20 minutes and leaves a little haze way up there. But they're not... None of this crisscrossing the sky and blocking everything. How, we have how, day, how long has that been going on, Randy, that you guys haven't been seeing much chemtrailing? I would say for the last several months. Wow. I mean, I mean, all of a sudden you'll get one day, maybe one day you'll see a crisscross, and then, then it just dissipates in about two or three hours, and it's just clear blue sky. I call it the, the blue, <laughs> the same color blue my dad had a 59 Cadillac with the big old rocket blast tail lights, sky blue Cadillac. That's what that sky looks like. Every time I see it, I think my dad, it'd be the old 59 Cadillac. But that sky is just as beautiful as you could possibly want to see it, man, seriously. And it's, well, that's what surprises me is that in your area, y'all getting blasted. Here, nothing. Yeah, it's it, weird. It, it almost makes you wonder if they've reached a saturation point, you know, and then they come by and touch it up or something. I have no idea, but I can tell you that there are very few days here, very few, uh, when you don't detect any chemtrailing. And almost every single day that starts out with a clear blue sky, uh, well before noon, they start in uh, and then that clear blue sky goes away. And, you know, we had such a lingering winter uh, that we really didn't even have much of a spring. Then when spring happened, it was rainy and just not great weather. And then now it's jumped to just 80s and 90s, you know, near 80% humidity all the time. And the chemtrails are out today. They were out every every day that we've had this heat and humidity. It's been a bit over a week now. Um, every day they've been up there spraying. Well, it's crazy. Well, you know, I, I did notice. Now, I have an apple tree pear tree and some peach trees and stuff like that in my yard. This year, uh, my apple tree bloomed in the dead of winter. Yeah, you bloomed. see? Yeah. It bloomed out and it came through. We had, I mean, this tree was loaded with apples in the spring and come March, April, we were picking apples off this thing and tearing it up. Now, our, usually for us, the winter, you know, March, a lot of part in March, we get a last little cool snap, and then it just almost immediately starts going up in the 80s, you know. But this year, it ran almost all the way up to June. Nice, cool 70-degree weather. And boy, all of a sudden, it's like you flip the switch. Bam! It just turned extremely hot. 
So that's very unusual to have a tree like that blooming in, in the dead of winter, which we get pretty chilly. It's not like freezing where you are, but it's pretty chilly. But this tree bloomed out. It did beautiful. I had another fruit tree. Uh, it's called a kumquat tree. It makes like little miniature oranges on it. Yeah, I had one it, in San Diego. Yep. Yeah, it bloomed out in the first time ever. It's never put fruit out. This year, in the dead of winter, it bloomed out. And this spring, I walked by, I'm like, well, check this out. It had fruit on it. So I commenced to tear them things up too, you know. So, But it's kind of <laughs> odd that you'd have things doing that type of stuff. I guess maybe it is something happening with the weather. Well, that you I, can explain. Yeah, it absolutely is because check this out. We had three blueberry bushes that were, you know, it used to be you couldn't really grow San Diego in San Diego, you couldn't really grow blueberries very easily in certain parts where I was right. certainly, but now they have like low bush and high bush that have been bred for the climate. So you can do it. So we right. had three different kinds. And the reason was, is that when the first one began to produce fruit, by the time you'd picked it clean in the next following month, the next one would start going. So you could get three straight months the way right. that they had staggered the variety. But also we, wanted to have citrus in the winter time so we got this tangerine and this tangerine was supposed to go right around christmas and it did like three or four years it went right clockwork between christmas new year's just in that vicinity the year that i left the blueberries were late very late and then two of them went at once and the other one barely produced and in that same year that tangerine that should have gone around christmas time didn't even bear fruit until late March. So you can mm. see that the, the plants understand something screwed up with the climate. And, you know, for right. those that had followed me, um, there were points in San Diego when I went almost months where I couldn't really film because the chemtrailing was so heavy. Um, right. It was almost not worth the effort to, you know, drag everything out, get everything set up and sit right. there for hours just to film debris in the air. That, that's sad. But it's weird. Maybe maybe somebody who knows weather a little bit better than I can shed some light on it. Um, I mean, they, they say global warming. I don't know. You know, you hear all kinds of things. And, of course, half the stuff that you hear is is just creating fear. You know, it's, you know everything's warming up. You know, it's going to melt the polar caps. But then again, right. is there any indication? And I think you had mentioned in one of your interviews a fence along the coastline somewhere thereabouts that uh, yep. the waterline has never come up to, you know? No, not, so. in, not in a long time. Um, the idea that the water level is, is rising is a lie. Um, but I, I would not be surprised to learn that the whole idea of global warming was an escape hatch for chemtrailing. You know, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. that, that, that that was like the backup if they got – if enough people got wise and, you know, made enough noise and they were outed glow, you know, all around the world, they were outed for chemtrailing that they wouldn't use the excuse that, you know, Oh, global warming, the planet was going to catch on fire. We had to do something. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised to hear that. Yeah. And then again, the way life is that 90% of us are just to and fro doing our job every day to make that money to survive that we can't get involved with a lot of stuff that's out there and try to speak up and try to say something that, hey, something weird is happening here. Oh, I don't want to get involved. You know, I might lose my job, you know. Right. And so, therefore, it gets kind of brushed under the rug and nobody says anything. But I think 
I think talks like this right here that people can listen to and be aware and uh, get people to think, you know. Uh, I know it, it got me to thinking because I was already heading that direction already. And then when I started digging deeper into it and listening to some of your stuff that you had produced on the early, your early days of uh, YouTube, uh, it really got me to thinking. It's like, God, it just confirmed what I already knew. And a lot of people are already heading that direction, just haven't put two and two together on a lot of things. So I think conversations like this right here uh, just really brings it more to light and go like, well, you know, I noticed that up there, but wow, I didn't know that was, you know? Right. You know, so, there's there's something to that, Randy. In the, in the last few days with, you know, this month of July in 2016 becoming like just false flag attack after false flag attack or whatever you want to call it. Maybe yeah. false flag is not the right word. Just these these staged events, this kind of staged violence and shootings that we're seeing everywhere. So many people this month, I mean, I always got a few messages, but I mean, I have had endless messages this month from people asking, how do I talk to my friends? They, they won't believe me. They're making me an outcast. My family thinks I'm crazy. All these people, uh, I mean, lots of them, maybe maybe 50 messages, maybe more, I don't know, between email and the website and YouTube. It's been a lot of people who are aware of the shenanigans that's going on, but are being put in an uncomfortable position uh, by the people around them who don't buy it for a second. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you first-hand account, first-hand experience a lot of my family members are exactly that this is what we have to do folks ladies and gentlemen it's out there that's hearing this you have to wake up yourself understand the information for yourself because what are you going to really change if you go in there and try to explain this to say your spouse or your good friend your significant other and you're going in there and you're going to say hey the earth is this hey, the clouds are this, the sky is this, the moon is this. And they're going like, what? You've just confl conflicted with every bit of teaching. It goes against everything that they've ever known. And you're not going to convince them in the next 10 words. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So what I would say to you, and this is what I do. Now, I do a lot of research. I mean, sometimes I'm up 10, 11 o'clock at night just researching things. I get up, I get going next morning, I go to work, I don't say nothing to anybody. But eventually you're going to come across to somebody that has a like mind and you can share information. But trying to convince your, your friends or your family and stuff, don't try to do that because they will oust you out as a nutso. Don't do that. Gain information for your own personal growth and development. That's what I say because you're not going to convince somebody that driving fast is a bad thing if they drive fast all the time. That's just the thing that they do. Same thing here. You're not going to convince them what they've been taught all their life is not so. So you have to let them open their own eyes. Maybe sometimes you can just throw a little hint of a word or two out there and they'll go like, think a little bit, and then they'll start researching it. If a person's eyes want to be open, your eyes will be open because I know in my case, probably about 10, 12 years ago, maybe a little longer, I got fed up with everything. 
every teacher, preacher, guru, this person, that person, everybody who was trying to say they had the answer and I was wrong, I said, out the window, I want, no, I want to know truth from my heart, from my own essence. I want to know truth. And believe you me, the door opened wide open. I started seeing things. When I say seeing things, my eyes were literally opened up. I started noticing things that I had never noticed. I started, information started coming to me that I had never seen before. And as I researched it, of course, you get into that rabbit hole type situation that just takes you down that road. It's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. You go through anger first because now you're learning something that you've never been taught before. You go through these stages of anger, hatred, and all this, and then all of a sudden you start getting freedom. The fear goes away, and you start like, yeah, I'm not afraid to face the world anymore because I understand that this is all a manipulation from chemtrails to whatever else we've been taught. It's a manipulation. And so I would tell you, do not try to convince your friends or your family because it probably won't work, and they will just oust you as a crazy enlighten yourself because it's your journey what you're learning is your journey not their journey so if you can kind of understand what I said and just kind of keep it to yourself because the opportunity will open up eventually but but enlighten yourself that's what I would say and what do you think bro no I think that's good advice I've addressed this a few times where I've advised people uh, not to damage uh, their families, their friends, those relationships don't damage them. Some people just aren't ready, as you say, to, to redo all the teaching they've had. But I'm beginning to notice something, um, and it gives me hope. It gives me higher spirits. Um, mm -hmm. I posted three videos about the shootings in Dallas and Baton Rouge and what the news is doing to all of us. And one of them is very blunt, in your face, where I just was fed up and I turned on the mic and I called out, you know, the situation for what I think it is. Uh, right. Then I followed it with two more. If I would have posted those videos back in 2013, I would say at least 50%, if not more, of the people that stopped at that channel would have raised hell about that. If you sure. go look at the comments under those three videos, nary a negative word will you find. And yep. that is a big change. And I think what I can offer here on the tale of what you just said, which I agree with, um, is maybe we're witnessing, for lack of better descriptive terms, something like the hundredth monkey effect. Yeah. And for those who don't understand what the hundred monkey, hundredth monkey that always gets bandied about is, basically it comes down to um, a group of monkeys could learn something on an island that no monkey in the world anywhere knew. But when these monkeys on this island, the whole community finally understands this new thing, then somehow populations of monkeys all around the world begin to pick up what these monkeys first discovered on this island. And that's referred to as the hundredth monkey effect. Maybe if you take what Randy just said, where it's your journey and you take your journey and further yourself, maybe enough of us are doing this now that without saying a word, we are actually influencing those who may not quite be ready to face the abominable facts um, right. of what's going on in this construct. But I, I think what you said is yeah. some of the best advice that I could think of offering, um, it is more important 
to get your own house in order and let this universe or whatever it is know where you are than it right. is to go evangelize to everyone around you and try to convince them uh, of what you think is correct. That is so true. And, you know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day, and, and of course, we, we don't get into these subjects like you and I are talking right now. Ever so often, we just, in general, talk about stuff. And, and ever so often, she she says something that makes me realize that, okay, she's starting to see things a little different because she's mentioned chemtrails before. And, uh, but I said this the other day. I said, in this life that we live, and, and I witnessed my parents living a very fruitful life and passing on, both of them, uh, very successful in business. Both of them were doctors and everything and very successful. And then I look at a lot of other people who was in my life that has passed on. And then you look back through history, and I said, I said, what has really changed? What has really changed in this life? I said, you're born, you get indoctrinated, you live your life struggling to survive here, and then you pass away. What did you change? What did my parents really change? other than raising me to be an upstanding citizen in this place, to do the right thing to other people, what did they really change? They, they lived their life, a very fruitful life. They had friends, but not a large volume of friends. They had a selected few people they hung with and stuff. But when it all boiled down to, and you look at it, someone or something, whatever it might be, whether it's a matrix, as some people call it, or it's somebody behind the scenes going, let's move the masses this way, let's move the masses this way. What do we really change other than changing ourselves? And this is what I was telling my wife, I said, we only have ourselves to change because when you change yourself, that aura of information, that energy goes out, the hundred monkey effect, it goes out and other people around you start thinking the same way. Okay, so I'm telling what I'm trying to boil it down to is that in a massive amount of way, you don't have the power to change things around you or change the world view. You have to just change yourself and a little bit of time, people around you, boom, 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 boom. It's like a network of information, a network of things that's happening around you. And then finally, a like-minded consciousness comes about and then the masses start moving a little bit different direction than what the ones who are controlling it is trying to do. Is that, did I kind of explain that in a yeah. way? Yeah, and I think we see, you know, you could ask, what do we change while we're here? But in my estimation, the generation that's behind me, maybe my nephews, um, they're probably going to be one of the most crucial generations to have come around in a long time. Although, to be honest, since we can't really trust history any more than we can trust our news, um, it's hard to know for sure what to compare it to. But what we see is those who would deceive us, those who would stage these fake shootings and other things and create false news and propagate the fear porn and uh, legislate away freedoms, these types of things, um, for some reason, they are stepping it up into high gear. And I believe the reason for that is because more and more of us are on to them. And yeah. when I look back to the 50s or even the 60s, 
um, and look at the things that were recorded, the things that were going on, it seems like next to nobody understood what was going on. And the very same things were going on, just not as blatantly. For some reason, it's all been stepped up. So in my estimation, this generation coming behind us is going to be crucial in determining what the outcome to all this is. And so many people come on my channel and say, we're already too late. The jig is already up. And uh, <laughs> I feel like grabbing them by the shoulders and shaking them. And, you know, it, it, the minute you, you speak like that, that's self-fulfilling prophecy. The minute oh. you state, I probably can't do this, then the truth is you probably can't do that. Right. But as long as you are breathing and saying, I will not bow to fraud, there is right. hope and a chance that something will come out of that. But, I mean, I don't know what you think. I mean, you're right there in Texas and the whole Dallas thing went down. Uh, what's your sense of the people that you meet in a day over there? Are most of them buying into that there's people everywhere with guns that want to kill people? Or are there more and more people starting to question, wait a minute, is this really what's going on? Well, a lot of people here, well, of course, Texas is a, a, a what they call it, a packing, a packing state, you know? Yep. A lot of people carry weapons around here. I mean, I see them all the time walking in a grocery store and they got their sides side arm on you know they're on their hip you know they're walking in uh some some people try to get real bold and carry a, a high power rifle with them strapped across their shoulders and i think that's a little bit bold and trying to make a statement that's kind of like stupidity on my part now if you want to have a concealed weapon that's one thing but walking into a grocery store with a you know a high power rifle what what you need to shoot deer or cattle in the, in the meat department you know i can only but, imagine what people in other parts of the world are uh, thinking as you describe this cuz i'm serious i mean really they, they there's people who do that and and of course they ride down the road with their weapons in the back of their pickup truck windows and stuff like this you know but it happens but you know what i have really haven't talked to anybody uh, that has then again, I go back to that statement I made earlier. Is so many people are just working their tails off every day to provide for their families that, okay, we had a shooting. Well, what's next? Move on. They don't really get into it. It's like, oh, well, another shooting type thing. But I'm going to tell you this. In Baton Rouge, now that's, that's where I came from. I, I originally was... Well, I was born up north, and we moved to uh, Baton Rouge when I was a kid. Wow. I've been in Texas for about uh, 23 years now, but my I got some family members living there in Baton Rouge or right outside of Baton Rouge. And uh, my baby sister, I was talking to her last night, and, of course, she is straight up, you know, not into conspiracies and all this stuff or anything like that. She's just a good old girl that she works hard and, and at the hospital and stuff, and but she did say last night because I, I asked her. I said, "I said, girl, what's going on over there? Y'all shooting up the town? Are y'all please shooting up the town?" She said, "Well, she said, I'm gonna tell you this. The guy that was shot, he was no schoolboy to start off with. He was a thug criminal. He had a rap sheet very long, and all this happened just a couple of miles from her house. Okay, she says this guy was a bad guy." Now, did the police need to shoot him like they shot him? Probably not because he was already down on the ground. But he's, she was saying that he had a gun 
and he was selling illegal DVDs, like pirated CDs and stuff. So that wasn't the, the, the problem. They said he had a gun, and he had kind of flashed his weapon in front of a few people. Now, Louisiana is a big weapon state also. Probably every person in that state has five or six guns per person, you know, because they, they deer hunt, squirrel hunt, rabbit hunt, and all these different things. I mean, it's a the sportsman's paradise. But they said this guy had a weapon, and he had flashed it toward a few people, and that's why the cops showed up to start off with. Of course, it escalated, according to the story, it escalated till finally, and, and I even watched a video, the cop was had this guy pinned to the ground, and he pulled out his weapon, stuck it right in his chest, and fired six times. I was sitting there. I replayed it several times. Like, he shot six stinking times, point blank in that guy's chest. Now, this is a video that somebody took from a car sitting there, and they was freaking out the whole time. You could hear it. But my baby sister was telling me about the so-called police being shot in Baton Rouge yesterday or a couple of days ago, whenever it was there. I said, well, I said, what's, what's, what's the deal with the policeman being shot? She goes, hmm. She says, I almost think that was a setup. Wow. So there and you go. She, and she did not elaborate very much further than that. And my little sister is well known in that, in that town, and they know a lot of policemen, a lot of stuff, and highfalutin people and stuff in that area. Uh, but she did. She says, she says, I think that was kind of a policeman setup. Now, what part she was talking about, because she kind of abruptly dropped the conversation on that part of it and kind of changed it to, you know, hey, when you come to see me type thing, you know. But she did drop that on me. Well, that's, now, that's a big deal, though, Randy. You... Go ahead. Okay. You there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Perfect. Give me Perfect. just give me just a second. Let me make sure nobody's streaming. Are you streaming? Are you streaming? No, I'm just, uh... I'm, I, yeah, I'm trying to record. Sorry, the bottom just fell out, and I keep having to kill this thing. I'll tell you when I'm done. Okay. All right, Randy, let me let me put this back together. That's what I thought. Someone just turned on Netflix. <laughs> okay. okay, so we were talking uh, before the bottom dropped out of our conversation, thanks to uh, Skype. Uh, we were talking about your sister's reaction to the first shooting where the cops supposedly shot someone and she was pretty sure that happened. But when she began to consider whether or not the police had been shot, she started to consider that that was maybe not, not true in the way it was told. Maybe it was a setup of some kind. And I'll tell you why this is important. This is what I've noticed. I would say to date, the biggest mistake event that was thrown by the people who would deceive us was Sandy Hook. Sandy, yeah. Sandy Hoax. <clears throat> On the tale of Sandy Hoax, I think more people became aware than ever before, and that led them back to 9-11, and that led them to a lot of places. But what you see is when they finally realize that Sandy Hoax was a hoax, then they start to question the next ones they see. But it takes a while before they're 
completely clued in enough to see an event happen and just not accept anything about it out of the gate. They're still saying, well, maybe there's something to this. Um, Logically, that doesn't make any sense. Logically, if you know Sandy Hoax and all the media and everyone that was in on that lied, then logically you should never trust another thing. But what happens is over time, after that first doubt comes into people's minds, um, from there, it's all downhill. Um, In my view, so many more people next time, you know, and look what they've done here. Um, I don't know. I was watching Zach's channel and I I forget he did a count of how many fake shootings we've had this month Um, is one after the damn other. Um, Ridiculous. But anyhow, let me throw it back over to you, because when Skype dropped out, uh, you were just finishing talking about how your sister was questioning the police being shot. Yeah. And she... In our, in our conversation, we was talking about the, the supposed the guy got that got shot, and he was he was a real criminal, et cetera, et cetera, selling pirated CDs and DVDs and stuff in front of the store. And she said he was no saint. Okay, he said he was he was selling illegal stuff, but that's okay. A lot of people do that. Okay, no harm done if he wasn't hurting anybody. But supposedly he pulled out a weapon, and uh, then the police were called because you know, hey, when you start pulling your guns out somebody's fixing to get hurt. Well, it escalated to he got supposedly shot, okay? From your and sister's or, point of view. Yeah. And and then then in the conversation as it going forward, I said, wow, I said, what about the policeman and everything that, that three of them got shot? She goes, huh? Yeah. And it was like she wanted to say something, but she didn't. But she says, well, I don't know. I don't know. That may have been kind of like contrived with by the policeman or or that whole scenario created by the policeman. And he said, well, you know, when do you, when do you think you're coming by? And she changed the subject. And I didn't, I couldn't get her to elaborate on it any further than what she had just said. So what does that lead you to believe? It leads, it leads me to believe that um, she may have just reached her first moment of doubt. And what will happen, especially if they keep piling these events on in the way that they have been every day, a couple of them a day in some cases, um, that there's hope that she'll be catching on. But, you know, here's a strange thing. I did a show not too long ago to demonstrate that the beginnings of rock and roll and the hippie movement were a completely staged psychological operation aimed at a generation. And it worked. It did what it set out to do. And then I had began to mention rap, how rap was almost a ramping up to a higher level, like a cocaine addiction, where you got to do more, 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 more to keep getting the same effect. How rap Mm -hmm. was almost a ramp up from rock and roll to be more in your face and less veiled. Um, But this is what occurred to me. They just released uh, a movie from this Ice Cube guy who's in all the movies. Funny that he represents the people from the street when he's in Hollywood. But Anyhow, it's called Straight Outta Compton, and it had occurred to me. I went and looked up when the supposed, you know, genesis of West Coast rap came, and it was right around the same time that the Rodney King thing happened. And I thought, Uh there it is. There is the social synchronization where they're setting up the situation to initiate rap, to keep the race you know, war going on. And over on Zach Hubbard's channel, he's regularly covering, you know, everything we just talked about in his view is ramping up more race baiting. But to get back to the Rodney King thing, 
Um, there was a time in my life before I went into the Marine Corps when I did patrol work. And I did some stuff in martial arts, and I was learning to use tomfas, which is what the police side handle baton is, kind of. Um, right. But what I learned was, is if you worked out with those, like, pound and a half or whatever they are, black police batons, uh, it would make the use of the martial arts batons, which are much smaller and lighter, much easier. So that's what I did. And uh, I went back and looked at the Rodney King footage. That is a complete hoax. I had never looked at it in the same way because when I used to work out with those police style tampas to build up my muscles for regular martial arts tampas that were much lighter, um, if you hit something with one of those, you're going to kill it. <laughs> well, there's going to be every time when you hit with any force, it's going to be almost like a baseball bat. Not quite yep. the same, but, you know, that kind of an effect. Not the same as swinging a Louisville slugger, but still right. a pound and a half thing being whipped around and a side handle baton gets quite a bit of force on the end of that thing. But what happens when you use those side handle batons is when you strike an object the, the tip that swung around and hit the object ricochets straight back at you and you let it rotate all the way around and then you hit that object on the other side. That's how uh -huh. those that's how a Tompa works. If you go back and look at the Rodney King footage, it's like they're hitting them with nerf batons. Right. Um, and here we have Rodney King being released at the same time the straight out of Compton nonsense, you know, the birth of West Coast rap is going on. And so I went and glanced at the show uh, straight out of Compton, and it's the same old kind of glazing over where nothing is explained. For some reason, they're getting access to um, recording studios, and one of them's already a producer, and the other one's already a good writer. Um, some of that is not ridiculous, but some of it is. Point right. being, if you go back and look at it, you can see the social setup with Rodney King's, the riots, the enraged rappers going out to do reality rap, as they called it. It's all a construct, all of it. Yep. And, and there's yep. no hiding it anymore. But I would invite anyone to go back and look at the Rodney King beating footage, which, of course, is grainy and crappy, as always. But it literally, to me, looks like they're hitting him with Nerf batons. Right. I always thought, you know, with that much beating, somebody's going to be knocked out. Have you ever seen, you know, like, like these, uh, I don't know what they call these videos, where uh, the bully gets beat up? You know, the bully's pushing on this one person, one person. This one person takes one slug. Boom! That guy just drops in his track. How can four cops or five cops be beating on the guy that you don't knock him out? With, with the first, batons, second? yeah. Yeah. You know what? This is, this is something, as you was just now uh, on that little talk right there, I, I had a thought. Okay, if we can be keen enough that when we see these events, that if we look to the right, look to the left, so to speak, right. throughout the United States or the world, and say, okay, this event happened, what's taken place in the music industry? There you go. What's taken place in the movies? What's taken place over here? Because something is going to pop up to coincide with what's happening there. So if you're alert to say, okay, boom, the event happened. Now look at this, what's going on over here. There's your switch. There's your change. So now as a consciousness, if more and more people are seeing this, they'd be like, I don't buy this. And, and after a while, their, their efforts are totally futile. Right. You know, they just, they'll have to come up with something new. I, got, I have so many people come to the channel 
and complain that I have mentioned people like the Jungle Surfer. What you just said is exactly why I mentioned the Jungle Surfer. Um, he does exactly what you just said. Not only does he link the current event, but he links it to other events that are either happening or just happened. And he will also tie it back around to royalty, to family bloodlines, to any yeah. number of things. And the problem is, is he'll do things like the transvestigation, where he'll say things like Obama's wife is not a woman. And while I can kind of understand how that's exactly what you'd expect these jokers to do, I have trouble seeing it, but I know enough not to doubt that it's possible. I know enough yeah. to pay attention and understand that someone may have something to teach me. But this is the same thing with Spudgy Pang, with Zach Hubbard, with a number of people when Dave Johnson was still online, even though he fought with so many people um, and so many people were upset with him. Some of the things that he was pointing out there was nowhere else to find that information. And right. what you just said is critically, critically important because what we see in these events, like I can almost assure you, I haven't taken any time to pull the Baton Rouge thing apart. But we all know, since I was just talking about police batons, the name Baton Rouge means red stick or red baton. And you know, yeah, you, you know damn well. And there it was, a police shooting. So... The police baton is red with blood. You know there's this kind of ghoulish yep. pun being pulled. And I'm sure someone will cover it soon. I'd be surprised if Jungle Surfer or who knows, maybe Zach, one of these guys, Spudgy Pang, they'll probably be covering it. They usually do pick up on things like that. But um, I just got an email while we were talking from a follower over at Crow777Radio.com. His username is or, or her. I don't know if it's a him or a her. The username is Kahos. Um, this is interesting to me, Randy. Check this out. The message says, 7716 was the first of Tammuz, or 5776 in the Jewish calendar. All right? So the date that I had predicted there would be some kind of a false flag event, which is 777, because 1 and 6, 7716 adds to 777 if you take Correct. the 1 and the 6. But he says that was the first day of Tammuz, which is the Jewish calendar year of 5776. But get this, the new year, the first of Tishri, I think it's called, will be 5777. And it begins on the 3rd of October, 2016. So here I predicted that there would be a false flag because the date would even out to triple sevens. He is pointing out that on the 3rd of October this year, by the Western calendar, the Jewish calendar will roll over to 1 Tishri 5777. So talk about looking around for ancillary things right. going on you can see how all these mind weapon triple sevens 21 blackjack is going to start right. to tie to the jewish calendar mm -hmm. now with all that information what are people going to do what 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 do you think that people should do keep your eyes open be aware not fall into fear what is your thoughts on that you know, I, I've always wondered how long it's going to be before one of these faked events goes down and a thousand people don't pick up the phone and call one of the major players and start ac asking questions. Because at the base of it, that breaks no law. And a lot of us right. are concerned. Like me, I'm not so much concerned with breaking laws, but I'm very concerned with making sure I never injure anybody, even if they're right. my enemy. 
even if I don't like them, even if they are trying to hurt me, it is my personal code not to injure anything. But to make even just that simple phone call the next time you see one of these things, I, I've always wondered how long it'll be before all of a sudden the landslide occurs. Now, we saw some people do this during Sandy Hoax where they called, uh, what was what was the the fake autopsy guy's name? Something Carver. See, because it was a pun. Yeah, it was a pun. His name was a pun. He was carving up the kids in the autopsy, and his name right. was Carver. Um, I don't remember what his first name was, but there were a few recordings out there of people who actually called that office, and it was so clear from the recorded conversation that they were just caught with their pants down. There was someone there to answer the phone, but they couldn't answer questions. They were blowing it. They were hanging up the phone to get out from under it. And so... Um, you asked me, what do you think people will do? And I have always wondered how long it will be before, you know, maybe since we're in the seventh month of July, we're going to see more of these things. Maybe yeah. this will be the month where all of a sudden in some township where this nonsense is going on, a phone starts ringing a thousand times. Um, yeah. That would begin to make a ripple, I would imagine. Yeah. And, and actually, actually, Randy, before I kick it back over to you, if you remember, there is footage of a police chief from Sandy Hoax uh, warning people that if they said things against Sandy Hook or the victims, that that would be considered terrorism and that they'd be huh. prosecuted. So basically trying to infringe on your free speech, um, yeah. if you remember back. But anyhow, over to you. Ter terrorizing you right off the bat, you know. Let's, let's just scare you to death and you won't do nothing, you know. Uh, I got a question for you, kind of. Uh, and I know it doesn't apply to all Marines, but so-called this guy in Baton Rouge was supposedly a Marine that gunned down the three cops. Now, I've known a lot of Marines I know a lot of military people, and any military person that has experienced pretty much any kind of war-type stuff, they're very protective about their weapons. They're very protective about other people's lives because they've been there, done that. What would cause a Marine to break all codes that he may have or what you've been taught? I know you're... A Marine is taught to kill. That is their job. They're taught to go in and annihilate and maybe ask questions later. But most of these guys come out, they go through this, those stages of reacclimating back into society. How does a Marine, how does a person go from mild-mannered person that they are probably every day to I'm going to go out and kill three policemen? on the side of a highway. And the highway that my sister told me where this took place, I lived, I used to live probably a half a mile from there. Okay? Yeah. And it's not a bad neighborhood by any means. It's on a major highway. There's, there's like a major highway that passes right through the middle of Baton Rouge. And it happened right there. Why would a guy just, well, I'm going to go out and kill three cops today. I Stage can... something to where they go out and kill them. I, I can tell you, well, first of all, we know it was staged BS, but to answer your question, uh, so many times I've seen in the news where supposedly a military person has been the, the individual that wigged out and killed people, and I have always thought 
that a military person would be the last person to do that. Because first of all, the whole time you're in the military, you're being told you're doing it to protect your country and the people who right. can't protect themselves. That's the party line. That's the propaganda. Right. But anyone who served in the Marine Corps understands the damage a weapon can do. And so Carn- few, so few people do. It's the way it is. It's the carnage. It's, it's beyond carnage. There are yeah. very, you know, maybe maybe a 22 caliber rifle or something is going to poke a hole in you, or maybe a nine millimeter with a regular slug won't be so gruesome. But most of the weapons that they point out in these things, like a 45 or an assault rifle or anything with any kind of a jacketed round, the damage it does is so horrific that I would be surprised if any military people ever wigged out. Um, I can't go back through time and and prove, you know, verbatim how much of this has been made up. But I can tell you that I accept none of it and never will because I have seen enough of it faked that now, in my view, it's their responsibility. They're making the claim. It's on them to prove it. But to get back to your question, it would surprise me greatly to see any trained military person do that to another human being for the simple fact that they understand the devastation that is on the other end of that barrel. Yeah, yeah, and, and I have to agree with you 100%. One of, my, one of my sons was in the Iraq War, and being a shortened statute fella, he was like the first one through a front door, okay? And, yeah. of course, they, they do the flash, they flash a light, poof, real bright, it blinds a person, and they start commencing to do what they got to do. Now, I can tell you this. He doesn't have any weapons. He won't touch a weapon. Matter of fact, we was on a job one day, and he was working with me, and this guy uh, come out. He said, hey, man, he says, has you ever seen one of these silencers on these guns? I'm like, dude, how, how do you get silencers for a weapon? I mean, to me, it, it would have been illegal to have silencers. He said, no, if you, if you apply for it, you can get one legally and everything. He come out with a 22 with a silencer, and then he come out with a, uh, a 243 or something like that, a higher pirate rifle. And he said, watch it. And he was in his backyard. This is way out in the country. He put that silencer on there, and he goes, he just started firing away at a, at a can out there. He said, man, you want to shoot it? I said, no, nah, I'm good. And he turned around to my son. He goes, hey, you want to shoot it? He goes, and he had this look on his face. He, you could see he was swallowing his spit. He was like so disgusted that this guy would just be out there shooting. And he, you could just see the, the color in his face kind of drop. He was having memories of what took place when he was in war, that, and that, he'll see one is. of our kids. He would he would have one of our one of our kids would come through the house. I got two younger boys, and one of them I think <laughs> in a previous life he must have been in the military or something because he plays he plays uh, a military guy out in the yard all the time. But he'd come through the house with his toy guns, and my oldest boy would go like, he said, "Man, can you put that up?" He says it. He says, there it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. What are you doing? What are you doing? And he just, it, it freaks him Six out seconds. when weapons are around yeah, because he, he knows what that, what that weapon can do. You know what, Randy? I had, I had two jobs back to back that required weapons. The second one being the Marine Corps. So basically being exposed and shooting pretty much all the big weapons known to human beings. Um, when I got out, I said I will never own or carry or have anything to do with another firearm. Um, that was just me. Uh, I understand some people like the guns, but 
we're, we're a bit by the top of the hour and uh, my dog's starting to choke over here. So let me get him out real quick. Give me five <laughs> minutes and I'll call you right back. Sounds great, man. All right. See you on the other side. All right. In the second hour, which is posted on Crow777radio.com, we cover or I do a monologue uh, about the no forests on flat earth and the giant trees. Um, I break down some things that should jump right out at people, even though uh, a lot of people's initial reaction is, wow, um, I think I think people need to hear the monologue and uh, apply a little bit of common sense. There are a couple points uh, that just really stand out in my mind. Anyhow, we cover the lack of old trees, the distance to the moon, the distance to the sun, that ridiculous L.A. police shooting massacre, which I still haven't broken down in force, but I'm reasonably sure that's going to come up as just another false flag designed to get assault rifles to the police, uh, the effects of gun on people, police carrying assault weapons, the Marine Corps' field of fire, uh, bulletproof vests, police batons, video games, drones, uh, we talk about Brian Mullen's Force the Line experiment, uh, the flat earth, the rotation of the sun. Uh, a lot of people are filming to demonstrate that the, the sun is not spinning in the way NASA is pushing. Uh, solar eclipse viewing. We break down some YouTube searches and how just kind of manipulated they are. Google, libraries, the fact that Google is now making restaurants apparently, aspartame, organic food, known and proven cancer cures to include the Gerson method. Spellcraft, the zodiac sign of cancer, David Bowie, the sun cancer lie, sunscreen uh, having heavy metals, and iodine. We actually cover a bit more than this, uh, but episode or the second hour is very good here. But I think a lot of people would be interested in uh, the kind of no nonsense breakdown of the giant tree idea that is sweeping the internet. Anyhow, the second hour plus is posted on crow triple seven radio dot com. There it is.